0: This, this is Rose. And this
1: is Daniel.
0: And this is a Panai podcast to magically disappoint Baba your parents. Oh, yes, I love
1: the little like drum beat over there. Um I feel like I could have been better about
0: it, but you know. You know, we just <laughs> gotta is.
1: go with the flow. Um, as <laughs> you listeners may have noticed, you can only hear two voices. Um, Gina and Nicole have decided to step back for this episode. Um In order to give no space to um, us educators, so um, Rose and I are both teachers to discuss Mm -hmm. about our experiences, challenges, and thoughts in educations. Before we get started on the episode, Rose. um, Yes, Daniel. So quick (laughs) check
0: in. How are you doing? I'm think I think I'm like you, and like in some ways, like I'm 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 as okay as I can be right now. Yeah. Um. I had a, a bit of a COVID scare like uh, this week because, um, and this is uh, kind of a, a thing for everyone too, just to be more cautious, um, is that uh, I met up with a friend and the thing is we weren't even together that uh, long, but right when we met up, they uh, were texted by their uh, in-law and mm-hmm. found out that they were ex- they, uh, tested positive for COVID-19.
2: Mm-hmm. and,
0: um, it's sick because I hugged my friend, and Ooh. they were in contact, and I was like, ah,
1: right. so right. I,
0: like, I've been having a freakout, and have been self-diagnosing myself lately, and I'm just like, okay, I need, I need to calm down, I need to stay sane,
2: mm-hmm.
0: it's not gonna happen, you know, heep who, heep who, uh, but thankfully, they, uh, haven't had symptoms since the two weeks that they saw them so they made it past the two-week mark so i think i'm good good but but i'm still gonna self-quarantine and i am getting tested so that's happening oh and i found a cat
1: all right (laughs) you got a cat I, i
0: got a new cat um it's a family cat now uh poor thing it was abandoned in front of a seafood city Oh! So, oh yeah! Oh <laughs> I, I felt so bad. It was so skinny. Um, they like this kitten was just shoved in this crack between two buildings that like it was literally about the width of my palm,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and like it would always yeah. hide in there. And it was just like skin and bone, dude. It was so bad. And thankfully, like um my brother in law was able to like snag the kitten. Uh, it was just so weak; it couldn't like hide anymore or run away.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And so uh we have the kitten now. Um it's really hard to take it to the vet or any like rescue shelters in order to really get it checked up.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um due to covid and that right. a lot of uh rescues are not taking in any more strays or doing rescues due to uh, exposure. So uh yeah, it's it's been a it's been a it's been a life. Um but yeah, I think other than a COVID scare, new kitten. I'm hanging on. What about you?
1: Um, kind of like what you said, I'm just, you know, I'm okay as can be. Um, I feel like this week there's a lot of like things from like different parts of like my my ambitious <laughs> <laughs> um my my ambitious calendar kind of just like all attack me like all at once. Um oh it's like I am like Helping out with a project at my um, significant other's um, workplace, and then that's like taking up a lot of my time. Um, oh, okay. And then I, like, I had calls from like my internship at like Bulosan Center, and then I also oh, yeah. had calls with like other professors. And I'm just like, everyone, just like, I need time for myself. I need a like, minute. I
0: need a breathe. yeah. Oh I need a gosh. minute.
1: I need a breathe. And I'm like, I'm trying to balance everything out. Um, But, you know, I'm just, okay, as can be, because I'd rather be doing something. I'm so Um, sorry.
0: That's so overwhelming. I know.
1: Um, I mean, like, I'm definitely, like, taking time to, like, you know, like, take time, like, for myself. Um, But I also, uh, and, like, I'm being mindful about, you know, like, what I like to do and, like, what I want to do for, like, um, for my own, like, self-care. But also, Mm -hmm. I'm just... Keeping the things that I am, um, I have responsibility towards. I'm just like eyeing in. I'm like, I'm gonna get you done. Just like, I need to get this done first.
0: I hear you. Like, for me, I just like, I try to like look at what's in front of me. I'm like, okay, I'll nibble my way towards the main courses, mm-hmm. like, obviously, but I. I hear you. That's a lot. Like, I found like, five, ten. I was, like, lost in how many things you're going right.
1: through. Right. Oh, then on top of that, too, like, it's almost the end of summer, so we're going to go back <laughs> into, <laughs> to segue into our topic, we're going back to school. <laughs> we're going back to work.
0: We're <laughs> going back. I, it's so, isn't it so weird to be like, I'm going back to work, but it just feels Like, the transition from getting cut off in March and then having to transition back again in, like, August. I don't know about you, but I'm going in at the, like, I'm going in early, like, uh, uh, mid-August, but Mm -hmm. I'm not going to, quote-unquote, be seeing my kids until the
1: end of the month. Right. So that's going to be fun. I feel like that, that's something like we could talk about like later too. Um, yes. We have, we have a lot to talk about today. I have a lot um,
0: of feelings.
1: So let's just give, you know, like our listeners like a background of like where we are in like the education sector. Um, so Rose, um, what do you teach and in what lens do you see education
0: all right, so uh, I actually did an informal year last year, uh, fully with uh, Um, and I was teaching math, Algebra 1 slash Fundamentals of Math for a uh, Title I school, and basically the position I was under was a vacancy teacher, and basically that's filling the role of a uh, fully licensed teacher but I get paid less and taken advantage of and have to do all the things that a regular licensed teacher would have to do Mm -hmm. for shit pay but you know what I love I loved (laughs) my kids enough to like stay so (laughs) there's that but um, my full full uh experience in the profession I was in it for about five-ish years I started out as like a little like how I introduced myself to being around you know kids
2: Mm -hmm. is
0: uh around 2014 ish I was uh coaching um young directors and actors at my old high school and then I was really passionate uh, and still am on theater so I began to become uh more acquainted with a lot of the uh coaches and drama teachers around the area. So I became an after school uh, drama teacher. Cool. Uh, for like an hour. And I mainly worked with kindergarten through fifth grade children. So I worked with the little ones for a bit. That went on for like three, two years.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, up until 2017 when I became a fully licensed substitute. And um and then it was not until this last school year 2019 to 2020 I got thrown into teaching like full-time but under a vacancy title and now I officially got hired as a English teacher oh my gosh hello hello I'm a sophomore English teacher I'm so excited I'm I am excited, but I also am anxious. But we'll talk about that again
1: later. Yes, yes. <laughs> but what about
0: you? Tell
1: so, us your experience. Sure. Um. So I actually did like. Um, so I've been teaching for practically four years. Um. The first year was in Alaska with um my um my mentor teacher. Like mm-hmm. she literally just like after a quarter, she goes, all right, this is now your classroom. And I'm like, hello, I don't know <laughs> what I'm doing. So like, I hope, you know, like those students who um, like the seniors and the juniors that I worked with during my first year in Alaska, I hope like y'all are doing okay. Y'all are listening. Probably not, but still, um, I wish them well. And they're like off in college right now. Um, and then I moved to Las Vegas and I've been teaching at a title one um, high school for three years so like that's how we see like I see education through the lens of like literature and like literacy so like um like reading, writing, um communicating, speaking, etc.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah and it's just uh for me it's been a multiple type of lens so I've gotten to see what it's like to work in the math department what's mm-hmm. like to work in the drama department and now I get to have the experience of working in literacy just like Daniel so it's gonna be exciting and yes. To kind of get into the nitty-gritty, I am just like interested in like how does our education really affect how we navigate through our activism. Mm. Especially like how us as educators we perform uh not necessarily perform, but we commit commit to uh doing acts of social justice. Right. And to like talk about that and you know, our podcast, in a way, is how we, you know, talk about that education and hopefully help educate others. Right. So I'm not sure how you got into it, though. With the what? Exactly. Uh, with the, actually activism in, in general.
1: Um, okay, so that's um, – so for me, um, it wasn't until maybe, like, the last year of, like, my undergrad where um, I started researching, like, you know, like, what do I want to do? Like, I know I want to be a teacher, but, like, what – you know, like, where am I going to teach, et cetera. Um, and that's how I, um, came upon like, uh, Teach for America. So Teach for America is like an, uh, a national organization that like puts teachers, um, that puts teachers in various spots all over like the country that need teachers. So then like I was placed in Las Vegas because, um, the Clark County school district is, um, to put it frankly, one of the, um, lowest performing, um, school districts in the country um and there's a lot of factors that go into it. it has to do with like um you know like teacher shortages but also because like a huge transient population um there's a lot of things that like go into that and also you know like our school 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 district is a little um I'm cringing at the, just the part of it um <laughs>
0: you can't see Daniel's face but it's pretty much scrunched up
1: and um but yeah so like that's through Teach for America, I learned, um, I was exposed to like, you know, like the inequities of, you know, the education system here in America. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was kind of reflecting, like when you were talking about how like this podcast is like our like avenue to like educate other people, I was thinking to like, as teachers, um, we, to a like a huge significant degree, we see our kids for a majority of their waking lives. So it's like, we have, we are such like a strong stakeholder and such a strong influence on like what um, what the kids know and like what the kids can know about, you know, like the situations around them. Um, and I think as educators, um, I think it's very important to like bring in social justice so that like we produce students who are, quote quote woke. Um because they need to know what's happening in our country. They can't just like run through um, you know like going through into adulthood blind. Mm-hmm. You
0: know? Yeah we're in like we synthesize the information and we do like and it's hard to really to be able to pick and choose exactly what sometimes because we are stratified by a lot of like what our states and our um you know our districts demand of us to only you know introduce into the classroom. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure if you've ever been stratified or like, you know, held to like a certain like uh you need to stay in this area and not talk about this, you know, and then for me that's what kind of really put me off in like never being able to like really explore activism. Right. And it's something that like, as a teacher, I have a lot of my students, you know, get really upset. And I was teaching math, you know, so they would come into my classroom after lunch, all like, you know, pumped up and, you know, angry and frustrated that, you know, they're trying to have these discussions and no one's understanding one another. Right. And honestly, like when I think about it, K through 12 is really the ground in which these identities are being continuously contested and, you know, operated because of the system that we're in and in the mm-hmm. country that we live in.
1: Right. Um, I do have a question for you, Rose. Um, do you think, yeah. um, in like the current day and age, right? Do you think um, activism has, do you think there's space to do activism within the current like curriculum quote, quote,
0: I believe yes like totally I 100% believe that we can introduce activism into our curriculum and in a way like activism (laughs) action activism should not just be seen as like this like fully radical idea but become the normal you know in order to talk and uh, contest these issues especially if we preach to, to our students that we're in, in a democracy ruled by the people, but it's like mm-hmm. the people cannot question nor want to fully explore this country that promotes that. Then do we really like, are we really teaching them the truth? Or are we like teaching them to stay within the system in their blind? You know what I'm saying in a right. blind way. And that's what really it's, it's so disheartening when I have to feel like some ways like I have to pivot around this. Like, like I can't have this discussion in the classroom because it's quote unquote unprofessional or it's quote unquote, Mm -hmm. um, you know, inappropriate to talk about this in a quote unquote math class. And for me, I was like, nah, out with that bullshit. Like let's, let's, let's like talk about this for a good five minutes. And like for, some of my coworkers like, oh, well, you're kind of like, you know, straying off, like, the topic and, like, you know, indulging the kids in, you know, wanting to goof off in class. I'm like, no, because no one's talking about this, you know? Nice. Like, they they w- are coming up and asking me, you know, on a sensitive topic that affects their everyday lives. Mm-hmm. And as, like, for a Title I school, it's usually low like you know low income communities of color for those who are not familiar with how the titles work and so the children that we work with the students that we work with are more than often students of color who are constantly struggling and living through the system that pushes you know their identities and when I say push I mean those become highly like it affects the way that they navigate through education and their space mm-hmm. and how they understand the world and so I feel it would be an injustice on my part as an educator to not give them the space to talk about that right. so to kind of move on from that it's like talking about what is being taught currently right really
1: see like I was I was thinking about that too because you were like you when you talked about, you know, your coworkers saying like, Oh, you're going off topic You're indulging the students um, that like makes me think like as a teacher, we synthesize not only a lot of information, but a lot of like different aspects of, you know, like mm-hmm. interacting with kids too. Like not only are we teachers, sometimes we are like, like, I'm going to say like, we're like their babysitters. Sometimes um, we yeah. are their counselors. Sometimes. We are um, the only person that they could talk to sometimes because at home, like, the parents are either, like, not there or, like, not going to listen to, like, what they want to say. Um, So we are, like, as teachers, we are doing a lot of different kinds of jobs for, for, you know, like, the safety and for, like, the well-being of our students. And um, I think it's a very important question to, like, ask, like, what is being taught? Because that's truly our job um
0: really is so what are your thoughts exactly because for me it feels like a lot of omission that's still even happening in this current like you know Mm -hmm. uh current uh what's the word daniel then like era because because (laughs) like because (laughs) no for real though but it's like it's like we're having this era of you know revolution happening again Uh in a way it feels like this revolution especially with blm and the fact that we're having a pandemic going on and uh, that, like our students are literally seeing protests happening in the Mm streets riots happening you know people speaking out and like seeing activism in motion you know they're seeing a movement happen and they've only like us have only like really experienced this through textbooks through small heritage month events you know, like that are just like, oh, we'll go ahead and just make this one month to, you know, right. humor you, you right. know, and it's like that's not enough to really, you know, address the full momentum that is activism and social justice and right. addressing identities, which is a lot on a plate, right, for a right. student.
1: Right. So, like for me, to like kind of go back to like, um, like what is being taught. Um, again, like, I see things in, like, a uh, literary, but uh, not literary, literature and literacy perspectives. like, for me, it's, like, the canon, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's what's being taught. And even now, like, we're starting to, um. and it's not just because of, like, BLM. And, of course, like, BLM is a, a huge, huge factor into, like, you know, why we're revolutionizing everything. Um, but um, there's just been, like, this legacy of, like, our, like, the english canon that it's just going to be by dead white guys um (laughs) that we're now trying to like overturn because like yes it makes sense that um literature is you know like um universal uh, it like transcends culture but at the same time it's like but in the books it's still usually like white folk white straight folk and sometimes white straight men who are supposed to be like these like these characters who are um transcendent that um that are like figures of like literature um where in reality i mean like we are our schools are so diverse here in america that like mm-hmm. for let's say like a, a black student or like an asian student or even like a queer student to read a book that's like oh these characters do not represent my identities and my struggles and my experiences um <laughs> kind <that> is, <laughs> right right um and then that's, that's, that's like that's what's being taught. And um what is now happening though again, it's like we're challenging like the canon, um where we bring in books and poems by and artwork and all like films and etc by um by like these like artists of of color, these queer mm-hmm. artists. Um, like not to teach my own horn, but um <laughs> like last year I brought in um brought in, like, Filipino mythologies for, like, my mythologies. Which content.
0: is amazing.
1: Like, for, like, my mythologies unit. Because it's, like, hey, like, I'm, like, I am your Filipino teacher, and I also don't know a lot of Filipino mythology, so I'm going to be learning with you um, mm-hmm. to learn about, like, Filipino culture and, like, how Filipinos saw how the world was created. Um, and, like, this year, too, I was just looking through the list of, um, like, books that I could teach, and I was just, like, oh, Joy Luck Club like oh like what what a great what a great book to bring in um not only because you know like it's a different perspective and it's a perspective that has like existed here in america of like immigrant asian folk telling their stories Mm -hmm. and their experiences and i'm like that's truly something that i haven't seen in uh, any of like my classes like at all yeah and like, I haven't even read Joy Club. So I'm like, hell yeah, I'm going to be learning and teaching at the same time. Um, I haven't
0: read it either. I, I watched the movies and like, I fell in love, you know, it
1: really married my mother's experience, but continue. <laughs> right. So like for me, um, like as an English teacher, it's the canon that's like being taught. And like we're, teachers now are starting to challenge it. I remember like my teacher in, um, like I had a conversation with my teacher um, an English teacher from Kodiak um, and he sent me a message on Facebook and he was like hey like we have to change this canon do you have any books by Filipino authors and I'm like oh my gosh like my my Seven. white um, <laughs> teacher from a small Kodiak town was <laughs> just like I need books so that that like represent Filipinos because I have a lot of Filipino students and I'm like, bruh, that's, that's the work.
0: I love that to recognize the demographic that you are teaching and to really engage with that and Mm -hmm. to not cater, but to be just to really be respectful and mindful that you as an educator have the privilege as well as the, what is it? The podium? The, the stage in order to go ahead and present these topics and synthesize mm-hmm. them in a way cuz you get to moderate these things so that right. we like the, the students are learning in a healthy and you know non toxic environment as long as you as the teacher are creating that environment mm-hmm. you know which you know the more comfortable your students become and the more you're open to that you can have these discussions and i feel like that is what has a lot of like white educators uh, you know, really not pressed, but feeling real comfortable in their skin, you know? So it's like, it's like you said, it's a challenge for you to also introduce yourselves to these topics and find ways in which you can engage your students. Right. Because it has to start somewhere and it has to start with, you know, our K through 12 schools mm-hmm. in all actuality. Because it cannot just like start, or if you have access to higher education
1: mm-hmm. and which, like that's oh go ahead go ahead yeah go
0: no, no, you, you go ahead
1: well I was gonna say too that like especially in you know like in context of BLM too I, I'm seeing a lot of like resources for like anti-racist readings and anti-racist curriculums that not just like you know um, cater to adults wanting to learn how to be anti-racist but also like I see books for kids that like we're starting anti-racist work so young so then that way when they get to college or when they like enter adulthood they don't have to um, they not, like they're bypassing like all of the unlearning That, like, a Mm -hmm. lot of people are now doing because they didn't have that anti-racist curriculum or anti-racist upbringing. Exactly. Um, And I think that's, like, so important. And I know that we're kind of straying out of, like, education. But, like, now we're just, like, talking about how to raise a kid. (laughs) Um, It's,
0: like, how do we, you know, we all talk about wanting to move into this future that, is anti-racist that is equal and that starts from the get-go that starts from the minute Mm -hmm. they enter in the classroom and for us to introduce these topics so that it doesn't become something that is quote-unquote uncomfortable or quote-unquote makes me feel bad you know no it becomes like if we always say in activism a learning moment you Mm -hmm. know we did not get to this understanding that we do have now because we were able to have the guidance Right. And the access to education in order to really sit with our identities and sit with what we within our identities have to be challenged with, especially in the country that we are occupying <laughs> occupying inhabiting, you know.
1: Right. Um, so to to ask you a question, because yes. we're talking about like we're talking about um access to like education, we're talking about um you know, like, getting guidance. So then my question to, like, both of us, I guess, like, who helped you in your activism? How did you get there?
0: To be quite honest, it was through my friends who were in college navigating activism, because I was initially a theater major, and Mm -hmm. uh, if y'all don't really know what it's like to be in theater, it is mainly white. (laughs) So there's not a lot of room to have discussion um or like you know to really challenge because in theater it's a lot about typecasting you know do mm-hmm. you fit this role of you know suburban mom <laughs> who uh, has two kids and the white picket fence and da 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 right. um and one season they'll go ahead and cater towards you know the black community for uh, mm-hmm. february for the season so not saying that theater is racist or that there's issues in like equality, but I am saying there's issues in equality in the theater. Right. So because I was kind of like in that uh, bubble in a way, that tunnel, uh, I was never really introduced until my friend who got into activism due to their documentation status was able to really sit down and have that conversation with me. Right. And that's when I was able to go ahead and start exploring. And I basically ended up changing my major into interdisciplinary studies for me to go ahead, still take theater, and then also learn more about, you know, gender and race and mm-hmm. how, how to navigate all that. And that was only through, like, higher education, you know. And that's the same that goes for my friend who introduced me to that. You know, to be able to, like, you know, have these conversations, they were the ones who had this discussion with me. And to be honest, I don't know if my mindset would have been at where it is right now if I wasn't introduced nor having that discussion with that friend.
1: Right. What about you? Um, The same with me, too. Like, it wasn't until, like, higher education when I was um, exposed to, um, you know, like, social justice work. Um, But even then, like, I... I feel like during like my undergrad years, it was definitely just like more theoretical and like small bits of like action. But it wasn't until I moved to like Las Vegas where I was with people who are also, you know, like um, advocates of like social justice that like, you know, like are actually now doing the work inside the classroom and like meeting, um, like meeting you and Jean and Nicole, like, uh, mm. and, and like connecting me, like with all of these like awesome professors, like Dr. Arnaldo and Dr. Padungpat, um, I'm just like, oh my goodness. There's so much stuff that we still have to do. There's um, so much. Yeah. And, and the thing that's like important about this too, is that like, notice that like Rose and I both, you know, um, were exposed to, um, social justice and activism, um, like higher education academia but like now as educators we're like no it's now very important to kind of like filter that down into like k-12 and even like like for me like this I would like to like raise my kids with you know like this lens you know like in the future Um, yeah but like it's something that should not be like we shouldn't gatekeep activism in higher ed Mm -hmm. um like we should all have access to this and also again like it's a developmental thing like we don't have to like bombard our kids with like all this stuff we could just kind of like a curriculum going (laughs) each step at a time um so then that way they're ready to face the world honestly
0: honestly yeah like it's I'm not going to go ahead and talk to my two year old, like, you know, nephew about like social activism in the hundreds of years of like, you know, in one setting, No, it's, it's a gradual introduction, you know, because some children do not really notice race until they face these microaggressions that continue right. to happen to them in their social interactions. And a lot of these social interactions end up happening in the classroom. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of the microaggressions that I've ever experienced happen in K through 12. Right. You know, And as an educator, I wish to interrupt that. And I feel that is the way in which we can remedy this because every conversation that I ever had in college was like, so what do we do? Like, what do we do from here? Who has all the answers? And like the fact is, I do not have all the answers, but I know a good place where we can start. Right. And we can go ahead and stop the cycles. We can stop the toxicity that continues to happen within our lives, within our schools. And that is to educate.
1: Right. And like right now too, like, um, I mean, we've been like hearing this like throughout, like we're overthrowing a system that it's true. We are overthrowing a system. There's this, this mm-hmm. in like this legacy within our education system, within, um, like the systems that we are now like we're in currently, um, in order for us to overthrow those systems, we got to have, like, a, like, one solution would be, like, an alternative, uh, alternative system
2: mm-hmm. that
1: does override and, like, or maybe reverse or maybe, like, alleviate or, like, something to fix the system that's broken right now.
0: To be honest, when I really think about education, like, in some ways, and this may be, quote-unquote, radical, but we are still operating in an education system that, you know, has... Been reformed for many years, but the basis, the skeletal foundations of the system, has never catered towards communities of color. Uh That it, it has operated solely for you know white white patriarchies in order to educate them, and we're using those. We're still using those foundations in order to go ahead and you know navigate the classroom and educate. And we've only worked so much through reform. That's at this point, it's like we may just need to go ahead and create, like you said, a whole new system. And, you know, in some ways, some teachers are lucky that we can, you know, alter our curriculum. You know, we can alter a lesson plan in order to be reflective of, you know, social justice activism, discussions on race, you know, and like the whole nine yards. Right. <laughs> like, right. And that's, again, what. I, as an educator, really stress, you know, is that I am all for this, you know, and I feel that we just need to have more educators to bring the voice, you know, to this predicament that is always being discussed.
1: Right. Um, to talk about like predicaments too, um, (laughs) this is a reminder, um, especially like for like other educators that are listening in, and also like maybe parents who are listening who have kids, we approximately have three more weeks. And um, we are still very much in this predicament of uh, COVID-19 and schools are being reconsidered to be reopened. Um, And like, like the rules for the school all depend on the district, some all depend on the school, some all depend on like the school administration.
0: And the state, or a combination of both, like, California.
1: Like, a lot of things right now are just, like, up in the air. um, (laughs) Grows. Um, Should we even reopen? Here's
0: my thing, all right? Um, Do I believe we should reopen? Hell no, all right? (laughs) (laughs) Hell no. This is not me, like, because when I said no, I've had pushback from a lot of people saying like, oh, are you just being lazy? You don't want to go back to work? It's like, like, excuse me. Number one, it's about the safety of not just myself, but the safety of my students. Yes. And for some reason, it's starting to sound like I care more about your child's safety than you do about yours. So, this is not, okay, that came off really aggressive. I understand. But understand that we are living through A pandemic. 19. And here's the thing like, I get it. If this is your situation, and there's multiple situations for parents who are working and don't have the ability to stay at home and watch their child, like, I understand that that is so unfair. It's unequal. But to also push that on someone else to go ahead and have that exposure is also not. Fair. It's also leading to, like, you know, a lot of unsurety and safety for Mm -hmm. all of us. And I say this with the utmost care and love: is that I really believe that my students should not be anywhere near each other at this point in time. Not until things settle with a vaccine, until we address that we need to (laughs) revamp everything, you Mm -hmm. know? that's my personal opinion and the fact that because this has been a highly contested debate that very question it has led to a lot of our districts and administration to just be piles of messes right and i don't know if you've ever seen them um but or this goes for our listeners too. If you've ever listened to the, you know, board of trustees or listening on any of the reopening plans in these meetings, but when you are on there and then you read the comments from the parents and even other educators about how they feel we should reopen all five days, how that, you know, I'm not paying, like, I'm not paying my tax dollars for you not to do your job. Mm -hmm. which really irked me and I don't know like what what to do with that right like I don't know if there's more pros and cons to this but the cons are is that you're risking everyone's lives right by wanting to fully reopen
1: and like with this too like yes we're definitely in a predicament because like I see like like, there's a side of, like, yes, I understand that, like, psychologically, it's better if, like, a teacher is there, like, in person for, you know, like, the kids. But at the same time, like, physically, I'm, like, I don't want to be there because I don't want to risk myself. I don't want to risk your children. And I also don't want to risk, you know, like, you, like, your health. Like, it's it's a matter of, like, it's a matter of safety. It's a matter of, like, health. Um, and it's a matter of, say with me, politics. 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 <laughs> so it's, like, like we know that we're in a predicament we know that there is again like inequity within like the educational system um do we have any solutions to this right now um and that's like we're still like in conversations with a lot of you know the people that like need to be conversing about this because the school district is going to be open soon i know for a fact for me like i have chosen to just like stay online Mm -hmm. um and my school is just like, well, you're gonna have like a choice, like every month, like either it's gonna be like online or not. And I'm like, it's not like what? a, a wow. choice at this point. <laughs> like, we need a like, like, like I like the school. The school needs a leader to like make a decision. Um, and that's
0: what I'm, like that that would make
1: sense for everyone.
0: Yeah, I and I don't know if a lot of people know this, okay? Um, and I think this situation also happened with your uh, school, is that we were waiting for a good, like, week on the directions of our school district. And a lot of times, like, we were just, like like... And at that point, it became a school thing. Like, each school ended up having to do their own version mm-hmm. of, like, either you know, social distance learning or pushing back curriculum, like it became a whole mess. My school personally was able to go ahead and like just, okay, here's the plan. Go ahead, go in your Google classrooms, get right. all the curriculum ready. Like you have connections with your students, reach out to them. And those were one of the most like hectic of weeks. But after things settled that first uh, few, like first month, into uh quarantine it was more manageable and that didn't come from any direction from the district to be quite honest right. it came from the directions of my administration into which you know i tipped my hat to them right if i had a hat yeah, like,
1: it's the same with me too like like it wasn't like it was within like within the school that came like the school itself came up with a plan to do online instruction um but, like, my main concern now is, like, I feel ready to teach online because I've already taught online. Um, the main question now is, is it going to be effective to have this new batch of students um, to be online? That, like, I haven't oh. interacted with. Can I build a relationship with them all? Oh. along?
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: We are in a truly a predicament. Um, mm-hmm. And um, on top of that, I know that, like, some schools are going to be, like, in person. Like, are is like our health insurance going to be enough to you know like even um
0: and that cover for a respirator
1: yeah like stuff <laughs> like that like or are we supposed to have like hazard pay because in a sense we are going into like the front lines of of um you know hordes and hordes of students
0: and this is also a moment for all of us to kind of talk about these grievances that we're having as teachers because I feel that a lot of the public right now isn't being receptive to that we are people you know we are human and that we have our like health to also be mindful about and to kind of push this whole idea that I am a martyr or that I'm a hero in this instance is that you are pushing a narrative on me that is undermining my like my life and like the people who are in my life
1: right
0: does that make sense and yeah and my thing is like also is like we have no set protocols we have no set like uh like discussions on the health insurance and the fact that at every board meeting no one every time it was mentioned if there was a case they never said if they were going to quarantine us for 14 days if the teacher and the whole classroom be quarantined and that for those 14 days we would be compensated because that's also the problem we have our lives to also live i like we will not be able to qualify for unemployment in those instances mm-hmm. i already looked that up mm-hmm. and so to not have this direction to have this uncertainty to have this high risk as an educator going back in quote-unquote three weeks and three weeks is one of the most terrifying things and it's not about fear getting the best of you know it's or the best of us it's about the precautions that we are taking to ensure our safety fully you know and it's not a. it should not be a problem to Prioritize our safety, which is something we always stress as teachers. Is number one the safety of ourselves and our students?
1: Right, because if the students or like the teacher don't feel safe, we're not going to learn anything. Like you're just on high alert the whole time.
0: Why high alert. Really to pay attention. High alert. When I talk you're
1: about
0: not, compound sentences,
1: could you imagine? Could you imagine me on high alert with like a face, like a face covering, like that, like a face like, shield. Like, <laughs> Show. um thank you for our talk um thank i hope you. that like i hope our listeners now see like the perspective and the qualms and also the dilemmas that um mm-hmm. that teachers have not only you know like not only because our system is is whack but also because <laughs> of like the education in the context of the pandemic because that's truly thank what's you. salient right now mm-hmm. politics and coronavirus that's what's happening. Mm -hmm. um rose would you like to talk about some of the uh resources that you put i do
0: i want to talk about them for one uh most of these are instagram so i want all of our listeners if you uh are interested especially if you're an educator and you want to find out uh some ways or like you know oh where can i start in order to you know decolonize your curriculum one of them is l IT or lit underscore circle. Uh, Lit circle provides structures for developing curriculum in order to quote unquote decolonize your classroom. So they help develop um, and also uh, guide teachers in ways to which you can introduce, uh, you know, decolonizing um, certain uh, books and introduce new literature into your classroom. Uh, that would be, and they also have a new website that they just finally put up for uh, resources as www.litcircle.org. Um There's also uh, an amazing educator that is based in Baltimore. They're an English teacher and their name is Valencia Clay. Uh, that's Valencia V-A-L-E-N-C-I-A underscore Valencia, again. Um, To give you more background, Valencia Clay uh, talks a great deal on uh, Black literacy, introduces it into their classroom, and works on the middle school level. There's also The Conscious Kid on Instagram. Um, They're also someone who not just provides, uh, you know, resources for educators, but for parents and kids. So it's a good start if you're a parent or if you're an educator for early childhood or K through um, five to find ways to start the discussions on racism. And we also have here the Bul. Daniel, I'm gonna butcher this
1: Bulosan. Oh, Bulosan. <laughs> um, I could I could take over here. So um, <laughs> uh, The Bulosan Center is, uh, at, I believe, actively um creating like curriculum like I think we're in the process of creating curriculum that's like, Filipino centered but that also like you know like ensures that um like the Filipino experiences is um talked about in the schools because again textbooks are very pute they're, uh, <laughs> very white centric they're very like like colonialist perspectives um and they don't talk about you know like the, the perspectives of um folks of color and their histories Um, so Mm -hmm. yes the Bulosan Center is now actively creating um, Filipino centered curriculum um, and yeah and they're made by Filipinos for Filipinos about Filipinos we're here for the people baby we are here for the people Um, so again thank you for having this conversation with me Rose about teacherhood and education (laughs) I, you know
0: that struggle you know the struggle daniel the, and the that's why i love
1: you real um <laughs> the struggle so, is real um i guess uh, this is me signing off i am daniel this
0: is us signing off and i'm rose um
1: and we are a pinai podcast to magically disappoint the parents oh, and the okay. students <laughs> and the principals <laughs> and everyone <That> is- please <laughs>